0: Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and to help you respond in faith. And today's topic is culture wars or spiritual wars. And I have a special guest with me, Lane Johnson, who's been with us once before. And Lane Johnson, for a long time, was a pastor. And for even longer, he did travel from church to church preaching. Uh, messages on God's purposes and will for for our own lives and nation. And so Lane Johnson is here with a wealth of experience in ministry, being connected with all kinds of churches. And so Lane, let me welcome you. Thank you for joining me today.
1: My privilege, Dave. It's good to be back with you. Looking forward to it.
0: And Lane, I, uh, um, I just want to highlight here that we took a short break of, of just part of the summer. Now we're putting fresh material back out there live. So thanks again for joining us for this first one back live again. And then also, today's topic, we're talking about culture wars or spiritual wars. And we need to talk about this within the body of Christ, I think, to understand what's actually going on here in culture and to what degree do we get involved in these cultural issues. So let's start right there. Let's just jump off into the deep end of the pool. Um, So Lane, uh, the typical... Uh, response of the church is to say nothing on almost all of these topics because they're viewed as culture wars. And we're the church. We can focus on preaching messages from whatever passage in the Bible. We don't have to get into these inflammatory issues in the culture. So how would you respond to that?
1: Well, I found it hard to think about the church being salt and light, which is obviously significant influences Uh, that God calls us to be as the people of God. So I don't know how we can think about not getting involved and speaking to the issues at hand that are before us in our own culture when they're the very things that at the root level are spiritually eating away at the foundations of morality and certainly of biblical Christianity and a biblical worldview that we are uh, fighting to hold on to within the church in America.
0: Okay, so let's piggyback off that, but first, just uh, let's just talk about what are some examples of culture wars? What do we typically think of when you hear that phrase, culture wars?
1: Uh, I guess when I think about it, I think about education issues, uh, what's going on in the education realm. I think about political issues on all kinds of levels, obviously, all kinds of moral issues. I mean, we're right in the middle right now, right, of some major abortion Changes and laws that relate to that, um, uh, certainly sexual things, moral things that relate to that, and man, there's all kind of tentacles, right? That uh, in this what we call this woke society, or that's what it's being called, um, and then there's CRT, critical race theory. There, there are just so many things that are put in the camp and category of that's culture wars, that's cultural issues that need to be left in the. Secular realm, but we can't because all of those have biblical uh, relate to the scripture, relate to biblical issues in various ways. And so, as the church and the people of God, we've got to speak to that. And as leaders, we have to speak to that. I believe as pastors, uh, we have to speak to that at every every opportunity that we get. Obviously, we're not we never want to become um, characterized by merely speaking to relevant issues. Uh, We need to always be speaking and preaching the word of God laced with the gospel. But the word of God speaks to these issues that are put in this category of cultural wars. And the reason that I believe we're, quote, losing the cultural wars is because we as as a church in America particularly have avoided actually addressing those issues.
0: Right. And I would completely agree. That's why we're doing this podcast. And here's the thing is that uh, we see these, you went. You mentioned just a minute ago, educational sphere, government sphere, and of course, the moral sphere, which most of this, all of this would land in, in terms of what we want to address in the church. And we, we have to quit pretending that the Bible doesn't speak about these issues. Uh, I hope we can talk a bit here as we go about critical race theory, but even that, which is a philosophy that's come out of our universities and now it's infiltrating all of our public schools or the vast majority. um, Even that is discussed in the Bible. It doesn't use the phrase critical race theory, but it helps guide us as God's people. And of course, as you were referring to all sorts of sexual perversions, according to the Bible, there's sexual perversions, all the LGBTQ issues to say nothing is really to not provide God's people with the direction they need, and then, as you said a moment ago about being salt and light in the culture, to make the influence in culture like we need to. And so, fundamentally, what we're talking about here today is these are not simply cultural issues. These are biblical issues first and foremost, which means they're moral issues first and foremost, which means that God has actually told us. He has an opinion on all of this stuff. And it's more than an opinion. (laughs) God himself is going to judge people based on these issues. And he's going to judge nations, including America. He's judging nations on these issues. And so it's just, uh, to me, it's unfathomable about how, the church in general, of course, there's exceptions, but how the vast majority of churches don't touch any of these issues is if the Bible doesn't talk about them.
1: Uh, that's exactly right. And again, as, as I said, and um, it's hard to imagine a church that is unwilling to address the issues at hand as they relate to the Word of God. I mean, as, as ministers and leaders, aren't we to be helping the sheepfold of God's people uh, to know how to interpret and to process l- real life issues and cultural issues through the grid of Scripture. And so by avoiding addressing those issues and speaking of those, we are not being kind and not loving the people of God, because many of them at various levels of maturing and processing and various levels of their own knowledge of the Word of God don't know often how to process cultural issues. And so they end up embracing what they hear from the world's perspective because they're not hearing it addressed
0: from the pulpits. So um, we're going to go further here in a moment, but let's just talk a little bit about spiritual wars, because that's what we're contrasting today, cultural wars with spiritual wars. It is in the cultural sphere. We're not denying that. But fundamentally, then this becomes a spiritual war, because when you're disobedient to God's Word, when you're disobedient to the to the lordship of Christ, when you're disobedient to the leading and the ways of God, what happens then is you, you may not realize it, you may not even have the spiritual realm on your radar, but you're actually, when you're disobedient, you're opening the door for the enemy to get greater access to your life, greater access to your family, greater access to your church, greater access to your community, greater access to your nation. And the thing that's going on here is we have to realize this is Full-on spiritual warfare where the enemy's trying to deceive and infiltrate. And God is saying, no, stand firm in the truth in me and declare the truth on every topic, including everything we just listed off here a moment ago. And God is saying you have to address this, the idea of gate keeping is huge in the Bible. I think of our own hearts. Of course, Proverbs 4, 23 talks about this, the guard your hearts for it's the wellspring of life. And when we think of a community, if if all this garbage is infiltrating the enemy, Satan himself is getting access to our, our kids, our culture at large, our churches, it, you're not going to have the wellspring of life either in a community or in a church. And so there's just so many implications to this. Spiritually, it is exactly a spiritual war when we don't even show up because we dismiss something as a cultural war. Therefore we're not going to get involved. What we're really saying is we're going to avoid gatekeeping. In fact, let's just leave the the gate wide open.
1: Yeah, exactly. And along with that whole thought of gatekeeping, my mind immediately went to the watchman on the wall that we find in the old Testament. And, you know, God, God held them accountable for the blood Uh, that was going to be on their hands if they did not blow the trumpet, if they did not warn the people when they saw the enemy coming. And I would say it's even worse than that today. We're not only not speaking and blowing the trumpet about cultural issues that are really, as you just pointed out, deeply spiritual issues and really spiritual warfare issues. We're not just not blowing the trumpet, but I I think many have simply left the gate wide open under the, the disguise of love and tolerance and just embrace, and we have invited the enemy into the camp. I mean, we have opened the door for the Trojan horse to come in, and while we have slept, the enemy has come out and is and is doing battle with many of the people of God and, and seemingly having victory in that, and it's, it's very disheartening in many ways with that.
0: Yeah, so here's uh, something that we often miss. Okay, so it's common today, at least among more committed Christians, to say, hey, there's there's sexual confusion in our culture, there's uh, gender identity confusion, there, there's these kinds of confusions— we can see that word, and for those uh, actually watching this on YouTube and not just on Spotify right now, we'll put up some uh, passages in the description as well, uh, that talk about, in the Old Testament prophets, it talks about confusion coming in to the nation of Israel. And what we don't realize is when we say this, even secular news sources say that this is confusion. At times they'll bring that up. Um, But the long and the short of it is, is that there is a spiritual component to this. Now, at the very least, God is removing his presence. He's removing his blessing. He's removing his protection. And when that happens, confusion comes in. And what I'm trying to say is that there's a connection with the spiritual warfare, with the enemy, who would ultimately want to confuse us. It's not just that we're being left to our own devices, left to ourselves, um, uh, as God is God distances himself from all of these sinful behaviors and the people that participate in them and in and, and the church that refuses to address them. But it's also that the enemy then will try to sneak in, and this word confusion is important, we, that we understand. That's why we see what's happening in America. It's, it's both God's abandonment, but it's also the enemy filling that vacuum and trying to confuse us on the most basic things like, uh, what gender are you?
1: It, it is absolutely frustrating to me. I cannot watch much of the news. I, I, I want to keep up with what's going on. Uh, certainly in the political realm and within our society and different things. But I can only take little snippets here and there because it just, in fact, even last night, we we had the TV on on the back porch and I was coming in and out and there was something on that was, and I won't get into the details of it, but every time I would come in, it was still on this matter. And I came in just wanting to pull my hair out because of the propaganda uh, and the confusion that And really, I'm going to put those two together. If you're talking about this confusion, we know that Scripture says God is not the God of confusion, not the author of confusion. Uh, the evil one is, as you pointed out. And what the evil one is doing is, well, and I'm, I'm going to take this back to what we just talked about, is because the church has not been the church and has not equipped the people of God to have a biblical worldview Uh, and to think biblically, so that has left people confused, and what does the evil one do when he comes in in the midst of confusion? He sends in propaganda and promotes lies and deception, and he says it so often that people begin to believe it, Uh, and I want to, I want to, whenever I'm listening to these things that's dealing with woke or dealing with sexual orientation or dealing with this matter or that matter, I want to come away, and I often have, and just said, that is so silly. That's so ignorant. That's so foolish. But really, it's much more devious than that. It is not ignorance. It is, as you pointed out, and I don't think we see it often. It is under, underneath, behind the scenes, a spiritual battle that is going on, and many are held captive to do the will of the evil one and are his instruments. And they seem uh, at times believable by the masses of people, but only because there's so much confusion and a lack of biblical knowledge and understandings for that lack of vision, that lack of knowledge that the people of God even perish, not just the world, but the people of God are perishing because they do not see clearly the distinction and the discernment of what is happening in these matters.
0: Well, uh, Some years ago, um, you know, we were talking about what the Bible teaches on these various issues, and this senior pastor literally says this to me, Lane. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? The senior pastor literally looks at me and says, well, you don't expect me to get involved in culture wars, do you? And the answer is yes, absolutely. And everybody listening to this right now, in case you're not picking up what... Uh, Lane has been describing what I've been trying to uh, share a bit too is yes everything matters to God every every square inch is being contested and it's either righteousness moving forward which is this massive biblical theme newsflash righteousness is a massive biblical theme and or it's the evil one that's trying to take ground and it all matters in terms of what do, what's our our minds being renewed according to the Word of God are we standing firm against evil are we making are, are the truth known, uh, finding our voices on all these issues. So, Lane, we got to circle back just a little bit here, uh, because what honestly got me thinking about uh, doing this podcast, this topic, is that uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned uh, here in late June. And I thought of various Christians that had prayed about this for a long time, that obviously the Scriptures teach that sacrificing your own children, killing your own children, um, is an abomination to God, meaning he's absolutely repulsed by it. He can't believe that people would do this. This kind of a thing is what the Scriptures teach. And it's really child sacrifice. It's a thing that pagan cultures do. Uh, pagan cultures are often associated with, with tribal kind of stuff and, and just believing in, in the gods in general. But no, America has embraced this uh, through Roe v. Wade. Well, it's overturned here in 2022. And It was stunning to me. I didn't look for this, I didn't expect it, but what people told me, various people around the country, but also here locally where I am, the churches didn't even mention that Roe Mm v. Wade had been overturned. Now, certainly, in my opinion, there should be a a celebratory aspect of this, that God has answered the prayers of many. So at least on that level, we could mention it in church, but also now, it was more of a just a... uh, Uh, a procedural thing related to the constitution that there wasn't really repentance that happened throughout America or the church. It was just the Supreme court saying that the, uh, the U S constitution does not talk about abortion. So why, Roe v. Wade was ruled the way it was originally is just a travesty. We need to reverse it. They did. They overruled it. So now it goes back to the states. So there's a whole another realm or uh, aspect of of Roe v. Wade now going to the states that they, the abortion that is going to the states where the church now should be speaking in every state because it's now it's more personal. It's in each of our states. Are we going to go with God's way or not now? We should be mobilizing, we should be uh, praying, fasting, we should be um, talking about this, at least giving the scriptural foundation of what, why this issue is so important biblically. And what I keep hearing over and over from people is that their pastor never mentioned it, or, or just said something in passing or something like that, when this would be not just a cultural war uh, of our generation that just had a major shift with it, but this is actually a spiritual war of trying to gatekeep again in a, in America to bring the righteousness of God back forth. So anyway, this is this is huge like so we have this specific example of how in the world do we even get to this this point where something like this happens and the church doesn't even talk about it.
1: Well, it obviously didn't happen overnight and there are all kinds of things coming to my mind, Dave, as much as I rejoice in what the Supreme court did, uh, you know, it doesn't take away the fact that for 49 years, we killed what 62 or 63 million babies really on the altar of immorality. Um, Because, you know, everybody wants to, that's in this debate wants to deal with the issue of rape and incest kind of thing, but that's what one to 2% of pregnancies. So what we're really dealing with, is 90 plus percent of uh, killing babies is really just to cover up and not wanting to be responsible for the act of sexual immorality, um, or even relationships within, I guess, some marriages that just don't want the, um, the frustration and the hindrance to their own self-centered lives by having to take care of a child. I mean, there's a lot, I, I suppose there's various reasons, but but for all of this time, we're not even dealing with root issues here. Um, we're, we're, we're dealing with, with, um, with fruit out here on the, on the edge, but we're not dealing with real issues of how did we get here, as you are as just pointing out. And it didn't happen overnight. It's happened over now decades of rejection of God, rejection of his law, rejection of the Ten Commandments, rejection of the word of God, rejection of the authority of God. And whenever we see that happen in the Old Testament among God's people, we see him constantly bring them under judgment and discipline. Just this morning, I was reading through Second uh, Kings 16 and 17, I believe, and in, I think it was in chapter 17, as part of God's, right, um, we, we remember the Assyrian assault and taking Israel into captivity, but there was a verse there that I don't particularly remember. It just said that God brought affliction upon them, and he brought plunderers. Into the land to plunder them, and I thought that's exactly what's been happening in our land—plundering from within, plundering from without—and I believe all of that is part of the discipline of the judgment of God upon our nation that has rejected God at various levels, really beginning in the turn of last or the the middle of last century, I should say, in many outward ways, such as Roe v. Wade, that was uh, in the early seven, seventy three. Uh, and there were other things that were decided within the court systems and within our society that really set the pattern of, you know what, God, we don't want your say in everything. We're going to decide the way that we want to do life, and we've been reaping the consequences for that. And like you said a while ago, I wish that this reversal in the court was a sign of repentance, and I've often thought if God brought revival to this nation and brought repentance, what would that look like? It would have to look like a reversal Of some major court decisions that have basically put into law that which is contrary to the laws of God. And I wish that this were one of those things where I could say, finally, we've repented. That's that's not the case, I don't believe. Uh, And yet, I do believe it is a reprieve of God, it is a mercy of God, it is a blessing of God after 49 years that He is, at least for now, maybe giving us a year of Jubilee. Uh, a time of rest in our land from all the bloodshed, and yet uh, I fear that we are ramping up for deeper spiritual battles. In fact, just since Roe, v. the reversal of that a month ago that you talked about, look at what has come out of the woodwork and up from the pit, in my opinion, how many are talking about wanting to, to, to codify in the law at state levels, and, and even nationally now, let's make it a law to be able to kill babies up until as long as we want to. I'm like, the ins- that's why I say, I, I want to say the insanity of that, but it's not insane. If it were insane, that would be an anomaly and an exception, but it is widespread belief that is a rejection ultimately of God and his authority and life that he has made And it is extremely frustrating. And it is, as you said, a spiritual battle. Our battle is not ultimately against flesh and blood. It's not against Supreme Court justices or politicians that are trying to put these laws into place or people that are picketing and holding up signs that say horrible things. Behind all of that is they are held captive by the evil one. And we've got to do battle by speaking truth and by praying and crying out to God on these matters.
0: let me give an example of uh, of something I didn't have on my radar up until recently, but it happened where I was out there in neighborhoods speaking the truth. And at first, this is going to sound... possibly political because it has to do with the election in the fall, but actually not political in the sense we think of it. It has to do with school boards, and school boards, at least where I live, are not Republican or Democrat. You actually have to know who's on there, and they list, you know, whatever, however many of them are up for re-election, let's just say five. And in this case, um, we were trying to, uh, with this organization that I I linked up with, uh, an, organiza- an organization called We the Parents trying to get the parents are trying to get their voice back on the school board, so their kids are not having transgenderism and lesbianism and homosexuality, etc., just pushed on the kids, even K through six. Now I'd like to stop all of that K through twelve, but I mean this stuff is happening where they're mainstreaming this even K through six. Now it's sort of a <clears throat> a gradual. Uh, progression in the public schools. They don't dump everything on a kindergartner that they do uh, a ninth grader or a twelfth grader, but the point is, is that these things are happening at a rudimentary level even in K through third grade, and I have evidence of that here locally with the schools. So I'm out there actually canvassing neighborhoods, helping people understand that we're recalling three school board members. Uh, the judge uh, was in favor of we the parents, saying that these school board members did violate the law. They were not listening to the parents, which they're supposed to do by law. They're mandated to do so. Well, anyway, I, I explain the, the, the reason why we're trying to get these Uh, Conservative conservative school board members on, and then I just stop, and I would just tell people because I mean these people, some of these people are not churchgoers. We're canvassing neighborhoods, right? You know, many of them are not. So what I would do is I would explain to them why we're trying to get our voice back on the school board here. Then um, I would say, now for me personally, why I'm out here, my kids are long gone; they're not part of the public schools. But why I'm out here is because. I want to slow down transgenderism, and that's about the softest way I could say it, but personally, I'm just talking from my viewpoint, this is why I'm doing this, is I don't want to hand over the next generation of kids. And at first, you look at all this, and it sounds like, well, this is just some sort of, you know, topic that's on the news, it has nothing to do with God, the church, the Bible, all this kind of stuff, but I'll tell you what, I would explain to people about slowing down transgenderism and and that God created males and females, and that we cannot change our, our gender. That is a biblical teaching, and I I I saw. The presence of God out there doing this because people want to know. And by the way, Mm -hmm. many non-Christians agree, and they're signing this petition because they're not in agreement. Whatever vestiges of righteousness they have in their hearts, even though they're not believers, they wanted to stand up for the godly thing, the biblical thing. So anyway, all I'm trying to say is we kind of have this odd bifurcation where we're separating out Uh, doing something like I just described, canvassing uh, over what we do in church on Sunday morning. No, to be salt and light is to influence the culture. And I was so awesome. I was able to be out there influencing both Christians and non-Christians on LGBTQ issues, and most people agreed with me.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The whole LGBTQ, one, two, three, four, and all that they add to it, it's so confusing, but it, it really is simple. And it's what you said in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And then on day six, he created Adam and Eve. Um, and so it has been ever since, uh, male and female only. And so people that are confused about who they are, there's, there's deeper spiritual <laughs> issues that are, that are going on there and deeply deeper emotional issues and, and various things. And it's, it's sad. It's tragic. But at the end of the day, it's also evil because of what it's doing. It's, it's disintegrating a culture. And Dave, I don't know the exact stats. I've heard them throughout the last few years. I've used them myself. I don't know what the most up-to-date stats are. But when you look at the statistics of biblical worldview, and if I remember right from Barna, that it's actually what I would consider a biblical worldview is less than 10 percent of the church— Mm -hmm. that holds to what is called a biblical worldview. But when you start asking questions, even in the quote church, about whether you believe there's a place for couples living together before marriage, uh, or whether you even believe that marriage is necessary for sexual relationship, or whether you believe that uh, transgenderism, transgenderism is legitimate, or on and on we go with all these the gay,
0: questions. Well, g- include gay marriage, because that's
1: such a and huge thing gay, gay marriage, yes. There is a huge, significant percentage, especially of the younger generation that is in the church that has bought into this world philosophy and these, quote, cultural issues that are clearly biblical issues. And there has to be A repentance, and a turning, and an informing, and a knowledge base. But again, it's going to take more than a handful. It's going to take the pulpits in America that are speaking and preaching truth to inform God's people. Well, let's just you know what beyond that, Dave. It's going to take the homes. There are a lot of moms and dads that are not teaching their children right these things and clearly articulating, which is the first place of of teaching and
0: education right? So let's talk about practically how to respond to this in faith, um, because we have to stand firm right now. And we actually, I would like not just to stand firm, but I'd actually like to uh, advance forward a bit, you know, uh, significantly, whether we're talking about our families or our schools or right within our churches. So, okay, what you just said, we've got to be telling the truth. And at home, of course, we're talking about the church as well. I would suggest in the church realm, that you would have a conference once a year that would cover these issues, but don't leave it there for a conference once a year. I'm just saying that would be sort of a a kickoff, grab everybody's attention, really deliver a tremendous amount of truth within a short amount of time, session after session kind of a thing. But then also, uh, uh, Sunday morning sermons need to be clear on this stuff, and we're not scaring people away that are not going to and then they're not going to come to Christ. People are going to hear this, it's going to ring true, and they're going to repent, and they are going to come to faith in Christ, or they're going to leave your church. But for us to compromise on these matters, just because we're hoping that somebody will stick around, um, either to come to faith or hoping they'll stick around um, and just uh, continue to be a church member and we're compromising God's message for that, that those two groups of people, that's just not how we see God's people, the man of God, the women of God in the Bible, uh, responding and, and and walking with God. It's always divisive. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, right? Okay. But then in addition to things like, uh, the family doing what they can, the uh, uh, annual conference, the, the the sermons, and so forth. I think we need to adjust our curriculum. Like, thinking that we're just going to preach on this or something once a year, and that often doesn't even happen on these topics, but thinking we're going to preach on it once a year, and that's going to win the day when our own youth are being bombarded on social media by all of this, every day, it's not going to work. So again, a more holistic approach where our curriculum is rewritten, I would say both for our kids and for adults, because adults need to know how to respond to this. So I think there's a a whole culture shift that needs to happen um, within the church because this is a spiritual warfare, and this is how we've said we're going to make a difference both first having the power and presence of God on our churches because we're back in alignment with him, but then secondly, um, also being having the power and presence of God out in the community, where, where we work, uh, where we interact in our neighborhoods, et cetera. Yes,
1: absolutely. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good starting place. Um, again, in the home, in the church, in group settings, in prayer you know, in prayer, in various um, whatever realm of influence we have uh, wherever we can speak truth, <laughs> that's what we need to do. Uh, as you remember the, the famous quotes, so to speak, the only thing that's needed for evil to prevail is for good men to be silent. And there has been far too much silence. There has not been an addressing of the issues that we desperately need to. Dave,
0: Right. Well, Lane, any closing comment here? Um, I think we, uh, at least waded into this pool of that this is really not simply a cultural war. It is actually a spiritual war. But anything uh, you want to say in closing?
1: Now, when you and I talked uh, just a few days ago, and you brought this subject up about not just cultural war, but a spiritual war. And I, I would have um, always agreed and said that to be true. But I think it hit me just a little bit more deeply. Um, and, and all I would say is, you know, if, if you're not aware of the battle... Then you're not picking up the weapons, and you're not you're not in the battle. Um, And so, if we're not thinking in terms of this being at the root a spiritual war, then we're not going to address it, and we're not going to deal with it in our own homes or in the church. And so, step one is to recognize just just that that. Cultural wars is really a sideline issue. What we're dealing with is principalities and powers and dark forces that are against our Father in heaven and against our Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to do everything they can to destroy everything that is beautiful and holy and lovely and right and righteous. And we cannot be silent uh, in that. The glory of God is at stake. Uh, life for our children and our grandchildren is at stake. And so we have to be vigilant and we have to be diligent and we have to be bold. Uh, There is no place for compromise in biblical Christianity. And I'm not talking about, you know, legitimate compromise, like between a husband and wife over issues of gray areas. But as far as biblical truth goes, there cannot be any compromise, and we have to speak the truth and live the truth, brother.
0: Right. Well said, well said. I think the uh, the only couple things that come to mind. One, as you were just talking there, is like, okay, step one is repentance. Make sure that we've (coughs) repented, our families have repented, our churches have repented. If we're not giving (coughs) repentance messages, we've got to give repentance messages now on all this so that, again, our own hearts, our families, our churches, our hearts are in alignment with God. Um, And you and... I, both, Lane, have had a lot of experience of calling people to repentance. It is so needed. It was needed way before this um, LGBTQ craziness became popular. Uh, Transgenderism surged forth like it has in the last couple years uh, in a a massive way. Gay marriage for seven years, even before all these issues. The need for repentance preaching was was so vital, and we saw so many people actually humble themselves before the living God and then repent. And you know, so repentance, step one, also just kind of touched on it off and on. That is, you did, Lane, and that is fasting and prayer. Once we've repented, move into fasting and prayer because God can can move, and we believe that. But it's not. Only repentance, yes, it is preaching the truth. Like you also highlighted, yes, I'm preaching the truth, but it's also this humbling of ourselves through fasting, in prayer. That's that's really huge, and um, and I think just finally, um, it just kind of dawned on me too, just how I did see the spiritual warfare when I was out there canvassing. Um, I think sometimes we think the only time we're really in sp- the spiritual atmosphere is in church boy, I was out there in those neighborhoods, and I could feel the enemy wanting to stop me or just cause things to go awry. Um, I'll tell you what, I think God was as present as ever when I was out canvassing, and I think that the enemy was also uh, present a very in a very real way. And so being vocal, standing firm, there's many, many ways to do it. Um, that was one way that God led me into here in the last uh, month or so, and I, I'm grateful for it. So, Lane, thank you. Uh, again, they're not just culture wars. These are spiritual wars. Let's uh, see them as they are, and let's go forward. So thank you, Lane, for, for joining me here on Insights. Amen. It's been a great day. Bless you. And thank you for joining us here on Insights. And I look forward to being with you next time. In the meantime, please be vocal, stand firm, and make a difference because God has promised that he is with you.